It is a tremendous honor for me to be here representing Hiroshima citizens in general and the Hibaksha. Uh, that's a Japanese word for an atomic bomb survivor or survivors, singular and plural are the same. In particular, to remember all the victims of genocide over decades and centuries and to offer our condolences to them. It is also gratifying that you have recognized the importance of the Hiroshima's experience of genocide, even though the world does not necessarily understand its significant significance fully. Callous disregard of the significance is exemplified by the recent nuclear weapon test by North Korea. The world cannot tolerate such an act of barbarism and violence. At the same time, we should be reminded of the fact that the other eight nuclear weapon states possess approximately 16,000 nuclear warheads, uh, while North Korea possesses, uh, well, less than 10 nuclear warheads, and are in violation of international humanitarian law, as well as Article 6 of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty which stipulates the following, and I quote, each of the parties to the treaty undertakes to pursue negotiations in good faith on effective, effective measures relating to cessation of the nuclear arms race at an early date and to nuclear disarmament, and on a treaty on general and complete disarmament under strict and effective international control, end of quote. As a matter of fact, the Republic of Marshall Islands filed a lawsuit against the nine nuclear weapon states, including North Korea and UK, to the International Court of Justice, claiming that they have violated the treaty obligation and the general international humanitarian law. By the way, the Marshall Islands were the nuclear weapon test sites by the United States for approximately 10 years, where on average, two or three Hiroshima-sized uh, nuclear bombs were detonated every day during that period. And um, so that's why the Marshall Island Islanders uh, want nuclear weapons uh, abolished. Clearly, we cannot allow North Korea to continue its nuclear policy. By the same token, we cannot allow any of the nuclear weapon states to continue its nuclear policy. One reason that such acts of barbarism and lunacy continue is that the world has not fully understood and appreciated the plight and the message of the Hibaksha. Today, after summarizing the, the damage caused by a single nuclear weapon and a minuscule one at that in today's standard, I would like to introduce Hibaksha's philosophy of reconciliation, that should be the starting point for building a truly peaceful world without nuclear weapons. And also I'd like to mention that the city's uh, role in accomplishing this goal. Although I wish there were enough time to show you photographs and statistics of the damage perpetrated by the A-bomb, 
let me briefly list bare-bone facts. The first nuclear weapon ever used against the human population was dropped at 8.15 a.m. on August 6, 1945 from an American B-29 bomber called Enola Gay. It was the name of the mother of Colonel Paul Tibbetts, the captain of the plane. It exploded at 600 meters above ground. By an intricate cal calculation, the bomb was designed to explode at that point where the damage on the ground would be maximized. The total destructive power of this single bomb was equivalent to 15 kilotons of TNA explosives. The energy produced by the explosion manifested in three forms, heat, blast, and radiation, proportions of which are 35%, 50%, and 15% respectively. The heat caused by the ground, caused the ground temperature at the hypocenter to rise as high as 3,000 to 4,000 degrees centigrade. Incidentally, the melting point of iron is 1,500 degrees. The explosion also gave rise to 35 tons per square meter of pressure and 440 meter per second blast. The worst ever typhoon that landed in Japan and caused unspeakable damage had the wind velocity of only 70 meters per second. Against, so compare that to 440. And a lethal dose of radiation fell within one kilometer of the hypocenter. In total, 140,000 people died by the end of 1945. And of course, more people died uh, over the years from late effects of the bomb. Among the 140,000 people, there were many children. One estimate is that as many as 40,000 children were among them. How did they die? Here is a short description of a girl who knew she was dying, but could not even tell her name as witnessed by a nine-year-old girl who told the story six years later. Now let me read a passage. As mother and I heard a man shouting through a megaphone that everyone who is injured should go to Ninoshima Island, we decided to go there and boarded a boat at the river. In front of mother, a girl was sitting who was just about my age. Her whole body was covered with burns and wounds and she was bleeding. She seemed to be in great pain and she kept calling her mother. But all of a sudden she asked my mother, please lady, is your child here? That was because the child could not see any longer. Mother answered her, yes, she is. Then the girl said, please give this to your child. And she held out something. It was her lunchbox. This was the lunch that her mother had fixed for her and given to her that morning when she left for school. Don't you want to eat it yourself? Mother asked. I'm going to die. Give it to your daughter. We accepted it. For a while, we went down the river, and as the boat reached the sea, that child said, 
Lady, I'll tell you my name. And if you should see my mother, tell her that I'm here, will you? And as she said it, she drew her last breath and died. I was terribly, terribly sorry for her. Mother and I wept together. I cannot imagine how happy I would be now if that child were alive." End of quote. There have been thousands of or even millions or billions of children whose humanity and dignity shone through in the face of their tragic and unbearably sad deaths caused by war. And Hiroshima and elsewhere, they convince us all that we must adopt the axiom, thou shalt not kill children. Adoption of such an axiom would mean that all of us around the world rally together for creating a brighter future without nuclear weapons or war. I have described such a uh, sentiment in the 2005 peace declaration. That's uh, 11 years ago. Let me quote. This August 6th, the 60th anniversary of the atomic bombing, we inherit the commitment of the Hibakusha to the abolition of nuclear weapons and realization of genuine world peace. Awaken to our individual responsibilities and recommit ourselves to take action. This new commitment, building on the desires of all war victims and the millions around the world who are sharing this moment, is creating a harmony that is enveloping our planet. The keynote of this harmony is the Hibakusha warning. No one else should ever suffer as we did, along with the cornerstone of all religions and bodies of law, thou shalt not kill. Our sacred obligation of future generation, to future generations is to establish this axiom, especially its corollary, thou shalt not kill children, as the highest priority for the human race across all nations and religions, end of quote. Let me make one brief comment. When the Hibakusha you know, tell you, no one else should ever suffer as we did, the expression no one literally includes everyone, including those whom you would normally label as enemies. So this is not the message of retaliation, but rather it's, it's a message of reconciliation. The Hibakusha, many of whom were children at the time of the bombing, have worked tirelessly to that end. They have launched one of the most significant efforts in the history of humankind to eliminate nuclear weapons and create everlasting peace on Earth. To show what they have accomplished under the severest of circumstances, I have enumerated the three giant footsteps the Hibakusha have left for us and summarized them in the 1999 Peace Declaration. Uh, let me quote. There are three major contributions. The first is that they were able to transcend the infernal pain and despair that the bombings sowed and to opt for life. I want young people to remember that today's elderly Hibakusha were as young as you are when their families, their schools, and their communities were destroyed in a flash. They hovered between life and death in the corpse-strewn sea of rubble and ruin. 
circumstances under which none would have blamed them had they chosen death. Yet they chose life. We should never forget the will and courage that made it possible for the Hibakusha to continue to be human. Their second accomplishment is that they effectively prevented the third use of nuclear weapons. Whenever conflict and war break out, there are those who advocate nuclear weapons use. This was true even in Kosovo. Yet the Hibakusha's will that the evil not be repeated has prevented the unleashing of this lunacy. Their determination to tell their story to the world, to argue eloquently that to use nuclear weapons is to doom the human race, and to show the use of nuclear weapons to be the ultimate evil has brought about this result. We owe our future and our children's future to them. Their third achievement lies in their representing the new worldview as engraved on the cenotaph for the Avon victims and articulated in the Japanese constitution. They have rejected the path of revenge and animosity that leads to extinction for all humankind. Instead, they have taken upon themselves not only the evil that Japan as a nation perpetrated, but also the evil of war itself. They have also chosen to put their trust in the justice and faith of all humankind in order to create a future full of hope. As peace-loving people from all over the world solemnly proclaimed at the Hague Appeal for Peace Conference this May, that's 1999, that is the path that humankind should take in the new century. We ardently applaud all the countries and people who have written this philosophy into their constitutions and their laws, end of quote. When I became mayor of Hiroshima, I took on the responsibility of presenting a peace declaration every August. When I was first elected, I wanted to make sure that a strong case could be made for the mayor to present the peace, this peace declaration. Some have argued over the years that it would be more appropriate for the declaration to come from a hibakusha or maybe from the Prime Minister of Japan. How I have, however, come to the conclusion that the mayor is actually the perfect person to issue a peace declaration. One reason that I have come to this conclusion is that although nations are the way we human beings now understand citizenship and war, Cities are the way we understand suffering. When I visited Guernica, Spain, and Ypres, Belgium, for example, I have found that both cities are as devoted as Hiroshima to remembering the tragedies they suffered in war and to preventing any repetition of such tragedies, not just in their own cities, but anywhere on Earth. People rarely suffer alone. The suffering of any individual is actually the suffering of at least a family, if not the neighborhood or a, a wider community. And the city is a vital, true, and personally relevant level of collective identity. That is why we speak of Auschwitz, the Millet massacre, the Dresden bombing, for example, when we refer to these sufferings. And this is why cities that suffer massive destruction become cities that work for peace. 
Suffering becomes an integral part of the collective memory, and peace is the natural answer to the question, how can we keep this from happening again? In other words, cities around the world are weaving a creative and future-oriented fabric of alliance for peace. Its warp is their wish not to repeat the sufferings they have experienced, and the weft is their history and tradition of not resorting to violence to accomplish this goal. Beauty, strength, and warmth of such a fabric are derived from the fact that both the warp and weft transcend ideological, religious, political, economic, and many other differences that have historically antagonized nation states against each other. Mayors generally arise from the collective consciousness of their city. We are close to our citizens. We suffer when they suffer. We are generally more honest than national politicians because we cannot deny facts. When garbage is left on the curbside or a pothole is left unfilled, we cannot pretend it is not there. We are relatively neutral in terms of ideology and other values in that we must collect garbage and build roads for all our citizens, regardless of their political affiliations. To do our job under these conditions requires a rational, comprehensive worldview. National leaders live far from the everyday realities of ordinary people. Although they command a broad national view of events, they do not normally feel the heartbeat of the people they govern. They can get away, get away with ignoring important realities by manufacturing fictions and manipulating the media. Contrary to popular belief, running a city is much more complicated than running a country. A country is a relatively abstract notion with politics that are far more tolerant of internal contradiction. Cities are where real life takes place with real problems that must be solved in real time. We are forced to identify and resolve our contradictions or conflicts rationally and with civility, and of course without resorting to violence, because doing otherwise would deny the very meaning of cities' raison d'etre. Cities have su successfully discharged their mission and prospered by tapping energy from their diversity, utilizing the power of tolerance they nurtured over centuries. Given the closer relationship cities to reality, it is obvious that the international system, which so sorely and obviously lacking the basic skills of democracy and civilized behavior, require, requires far greater input from cities. We need to institutionalize a civil society dri driven process, most notably exemplified by the one that led to the Anti-Personal Landmine Convention. We need a process that reflects city views and values when important decisions are made. We need to create some new and more democratic transnational structures. We need more intercity structures and agreements. Overall, we cities and citizens need to pool resources and work together to demand more rational, bottom-up democracy that respects facts and the experiences and the values of average citizens. 
This line of thinking applies most urgently to issues of great importance to the survival of human, uh, humanity, and nuclear weapons are a prime example. We all know that the vast majority of nations and people on this planet want to see nuclear weapons eliminated. Somehow we need to insist that overwhelming majority opinion be reflected in international policy and action. The organization called Mayors for Peace, established in 1982, has been working to do just that. That is why the membership of the organization grew from around 400 in 1999 to close to 7,000 as of this year. With more citizens and cities joining hands, we can accomplish the goal of the Hibakusha that all nuclear weapons be abolished within their lifetime. In conclusion, let me quote from the 2007 Peace Declaration. This summarizes the point that as the closest governmental bodies to the citizens and unlike nation states and as entities that do not possess armed forces, the universal agreement among cities that remember the sufferings is never again, which is a shortened version of the Hibakusha's message. And I quote, Vast arsenals of nuclear weapons remain in high states of readiness, deployed or easily available. Proliferation is gaining momentum, and the human family still faces the peril of extinction. This is because a handful of old-fashioned leaders clinging to an early 20th century worldview enthralled to the rule of brute strength are rejecting global democracy turning their backs on the reality of the atomic bombings and the message of the Hibakusha. However, here in the 21st century, the time has come when these problems can actually be solved through the power of the people. Former colonies have become independent. Democratic governments have taken root. Learning the lessons of history, people have created international rules prohibiting attacks on non-combatants and the use of inhumane weapons. They have worked hard to make the United Nations an instrument for the resolution of international disputes. And now city governments, entities that have always walked with and shared in the tragedy and pain of their citizens are rising up. In the light of human wisdom, they are leveraging the voices of, the, of their citizens to lift international politics." End of quote. Let me repeat, I do believe, together with the Hibakusha, that their message, no one else should ever suffer as we did, can be and should be the basis for and starting point of creating a peaceful world without nuclear weapons. Let us work together toward that goal. I know that we can reach that goal within the lifetime of the Hibakusha and within the lifetime of all of us. Thank you very much.